Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Isaac shows up, the promised child shows up, and from this one, this nation is going to come about. But that promise has to keep getting circulated, so to speak. It needs to be passed down to the next generation and the next generation, which means you have to have dads who know how to show up and communicate the promises of God to their kids, to their children. That's essential. That has to happen. And and that's what happens with Isaac. Isaac did what his father said to do, even though it didn't make sense to him. He believed and trusted that Abraham was obeying God. I'd venture to say that it took a great amount of effort on Isaac's part to not resist or ask questions. You see, as Pastor James talks about today, there are many examples of men and women who didn't waver in their belief that God would keep his promises, despite what it looked like around them. Now, this unshakable faith something to pass down, wouldn't you say? Now, turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James begins his message, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Hebrews chapter 11. Turn there, please. Let me jump right into it. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going through this book. Uh, actually, we're not going through this book at all. We're just going through this chapter. You know that we, we finished up the book of Esther, and before we get into another Old Testament book, we wanted to kind of cruise through Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the hall of faith, right? And because this is basically spotlighting individuals from the Old Testament who actively demonstrate or live out for us what faith is, what faith looks like practically. And this is just a fun bunch of of characters because there's not a single one of them that was perfect. There's not a single one of them that that got it right 100% of the time. But what they did, and they had moments within their lives where they, they nailed it when it came to faith. They just nailed it. So We're actually going to look at three individuals. I know we've been going person by person, but considering these three and the the shortness of the verses themselves, but in the fact that these three will will wrap up Genesis, okay? So we're going to look at Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. So if you look look in verse, uh, where are we going to be? 20, it says this, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons. I'm reading from New Living Translation, so if that's different, I, now you know why. His sons, Jacob and Esau. So he pronounced blessings on both his sons. Okay, that's Isaac to Jacob and to Esau. Verse 21, it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. And then Joseph, verse 22, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, you see a theme here, Uh, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. So we're going to look at three individuals. I could spend a whole 
teaching on just Isaac alone, on Jacob alone, and on Joseph alone. But we're going to look at these three individuals uh, who were all three at the end of their lives when they demonstrated this great act of faith that the Holy Spirit said, you know what? Let's remind them of that in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay? So let me pray and we'll get, we'll get started right into this. Lord Jesus, thank you for this evening. We thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you, Lord, that it's your grace and your mercy in our lives that helps us to, helps us to just to keep on going. And uh, Lord, we thank you that it's not about our strength, it's not about our might or our power, but it's, it's through you, Holy Spirit, you working actively within us, Lord, that makes all the difference within this race that we're running. So we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, help us all to just finish well, to finish well. And Lord, as whenever that time approaches or or none of us know what that day is, but Lord, you know, Lord, that we would also be looking to share your word to those who are coming behind us, Lord. So help us to know how to do that and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so verse 20, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future, for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. You'll remember with me that Isaac was the one who was, he was mentioned already in verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11, when his dad, Abraham, received him as a promise, okay? Abraham and Sarah, they, they could not have children at all. And then lo and behold, one day, Abraham is, is visited and is told that, hey, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a baby. Sarah overhears this and she laughs about that, right? And so then that's how you get Isaac. His name means laughter, okay? So he's the promised kid and, and God had made a promise to Abraham, from you, I will make a great nation. Well, that means that we, Abraham, his thought process is, okay, well, this is what God has said, so in order for that, this to happen, I have to have a child. Now, we know that part of Abraham and Sarah's story was that they took the matters into their own hand and end up with an Ishmael, okay? That's a work of the faith or work of the flesh, um, not, a, not, a, not an act of faith. Isaac was more of an act of faith. Ishmael is more of an act of the flesh, us trying to solve our own problems in our own strength, right? Never works out well. When the time was right, Abraham being 100, Sarah being 91, Isaac shows up. The promised child shows up. And from this one, this nation is going to come about. But that promise has to keep getting circulated, so to speak. It needs to be passed down to the next generation and the next generation, which means you have to have dads who know how to show up and communicate the promises of God to their kids, to their children. That's essential. That has to happen. And, and that's what happens with Isaac. Now, Isaac knows, and, and we have the whole cool story from Genesis chapter 22, where he goes up the mountain with his dad, and, and Isaac's carrying the lumber. He's carrying the wood up this mount, which very well could be the same mount that Jesus was crucified on. And he himself carried up a large piece of wood up that hill. And Isaac's asking his dad, dad, um, you got the, you got, you know, you got everything you need for a sacrifice except for the sacrifice. And Abraham says, don't worry about it. God will provide. God will provide. God will provide himself. Okay. That's in the original language there. God will provide himself. 
a sacrifice, meaning he's going to sacrifice himself as the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we know that Abraham demonstrated that faith. He trusted that God, even if, if he sacrificed Isaac, which God was never going to have him do that. But even if that's what God required, God would raise his son from the dead. Okay, great faith by, by Abraham. Also a pretty, pretty significant amount of faith by Isaac as well, right? You got to trust dad, that dad's actually hearing God, right? <laughs> like, and he's just not crazy, right? Because you're like, I'm carrying this wood up here. And Isaac's probably, I mean, you know, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, thinks that Isaac was around 25 years of age. Some people would say he's even 35 years old. He's certainly not a little boy in those little child, children's Bibles, right? That they illustrate him as being like maybe 10. There's no way. There's no 10-year-old carrying a, a stack of lumber up a hillside, okay? That's just not happening, right? But he was a grown man, and he, he, was, trusting in, he was trusting in his father's faith in God. Okay, Dad, I'm going to let you tie me up and put me on this altar, because I trust that you're hearing from God, right? So that, that in and of itself is an act of faith, but that's not what's recorded about Isaac. Isaac had other moments of faith, but there's not really a lot talked about concerning Isaac. We don't have anything concerning his childhood other than when he was born. We have eight, day eight when he was circumcised, but we're like, there's no, well, the, there's maybe, there's no faith on his part at that point, uh, as much as we think he may, maybe should have had at eight years old. Like, oh, I hope this guy knows what he's doing, right? Like, but he's, as, as an eight-day-old, there's no demonstration of faith there. When he was weaned, that's a story that we, we know of as well. But you really don't have anything else until Rebecca shows up in his life. And that's, that's his bride. And then we know that, you know, the servant goes out to find Rebecca and brings her back. And, and Isaac is, you know, it's a beautiful story. But then from there, it's like he and Rebecca, are, I mean, they're barren. They can't have kids. They can't have kids. And then he prays to God that God would open his wife's womb. And God answers that prayer. And then she, she is pregnant and she has twins. And, and it's, it's messing with her head. She's like, what's happening to me? Because there's a war happening inside of me. And she goes to God with that. And God tells her, he's like, there, you got two boys in there. You got two nations in there. Two nations in there. And God tells Rebecca, the older will serve the younger. Okay. This idea that like the oldest is always the one who the blessing gets passed on to, that's not always, that's not necessarily biblical, okay? Because there's been many times in the Bible where that's not true. That's not true in every single case. But God is, he, he established within Jacob and Esau and connected Isaac and Rebekah, this is how it's going to go. Esau will serve Jacob. I'm preferring the younger. I'm going to choose the younger to continue this promise of the nation. And so we know from that story from Genesis that the two boys are born. Out comes Esau. He's a hairy kid, right? It's just, you know, just a you know, hairy, kid, hairy kid. That's what the Bible says. The kid's covered in hair, right? Like, and they named him Harry. Literally, they named this kid. He's like, what's his name? Obviously, his name's Harry because that's what he is, right? So Esau, right? So there he is. He's red. He's ruddy. He's, he's hairy. And, but holding on to his ankle is his twin brother. Twins, remember that. Jacob and Esau are twins. We don't ever think about that, though, do we, right? But they're twins. And his brother is hanging on to his ankle. He's like, you're not going without me. 
right? He's like, I'm holding on. And, and so, and they're like, well, what did we name this one? Clearly, we name him Jacob, because that's what his name means as well. And he's like, he's holding on to the hill, right? Like, that's his name. That's who he is. Isaac loved Esau. Isaac favored Esau. Rebekah loved Jacob, right? That's not, that's not really healthy family parenting. I'm just going to let you know that right now. Uh, to have favorites in a family is not necessarily a good and wise thing, but that's what they did. It doesn't mean that Isaac didn't love Jacob, but you also, you read through the story. I'm just studying back through the story in just preparation for this message, and I'm like, kind of getting mad at Isaac. I'm like, Isaac, you're a jerk. Like, there's no hint or indication of like him appreciating Jacob or loving Jacob at all, at all. And again, we don't know much about his life. I mean, Isaac is like, he's like a major character within the Bible, but we know almost nothing about him, nothing. Other than his name is tagged on like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had a relationship with God, but there's not much known about him. And what is known about him when it comes to him being a father is, well, he loved one more than he loved the other one. And you're like, well, that's a bummer. That's not, that's not a dad you should strive to be. But that's, how, that's just how he was. I don't know. He loved Esau. Esau was a man's man, right? He was a man of the field. He, and he cooked, he cooked Isaac's favorite dishes, venison, right? You like venison? Venison's good, right? Like, it's good stuff. My wife's like, oh, no way. That's gross. Isaac, like, that's his dish, you know? He's, like, sending out Esau to go catch him a deer and dress it and all that good stuff and make him some venison chili. It's amazing stuff. But that, like, he loved Esau. And Rebecca just loved Jacob. And unfortunately, he gets titled like a mama's boy, which he may have been. I don't know. He's, but he, he liked to cook. Esau liked to kill the stuff, right? And so there you go. But regardless of how that family dynamic was going, from all we know, it just didn't seem like a healthy one. I mean, honestly, it just didn't seem like a healthy one. It's kind of weird to say. We, we, again, we, we put these people on pedestals that they don't belong on. Right? We look at them, we elevate them as like, oh, Isaac and Rebecca had the greatest marriage ever. Really? Did they? I mean, they're deceiving each other. They're lying to each other. They're tricking each other. That's a healthy marriage. That's a good marriage. I don't think that is a good marriage. I'm not saying it's a bad one. But I'm just saying, if you're looking at some of these characters, and the reason why I'm pulling some of this stuff out is that so we can take heart and be encouraged that like, look who God uses. Look who he uses. He uses people that are a mess just like me. You don't have to have a perfect marriage. You don't have to be the perfect parent. You don't have to be the perfect child. God can still use you. And he still has a role and a, something for us to do. That's what's so cool. That's what's so crazy about this. And and you have these stories that Isaac has. My favorite story, and it's one of the few ones that's recorded for, for Isaac, is it's found in Genesis. I believe it's Genesis chapter 27. But Isaac goes and redigs the wells that his father had dug. I love that story. I love that story. There's not much to that story other than I love that Abraham had went through the land and dug wells. He went searching for water. 
And for some reason or another, those, those springs of water, those wells of life, somebody covered them back up. And I think it was the enemy who covered those things back up. And Isaac was like, I'm going to find, I'm going to find that source of life again. I love that. There's, there's some imagery there that this really just resonates within my heart of a son going after what his dad had already, the work his dad had already done. There's something cool about that, right? But here at the end of Isaac's days, he's now like, I mean, he, he's, he's progressively nearing death's door, so to speak. His vision is failing him. And what he wants is, he wants, he wants a meal from his son, his favorite son, Esau, and he wants to pronounce a blessing on Esau, knowing full well that Jacob is the one who will carry on the, the birthright. It's, it's Jacob. If you're going to be blessing anybody, you need to be blessing Jacob, because that's what God has already told you is going to happen. But Esau's like, or J- Isaac's like, I got to bless my boy Esau. There's no hint that he had ever planned to bless Jacob. There's no indication of that at all within the scriptures, if you go back to the Genesis. But he's like, Esau, I want you to make me my favorite dish. You come back, I'm going to bless you. Becca hears this. She's eavesdropping. She hears this. Esau goes out to the field and she gets her favorite son, Jacob. She's like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put on this animal skin. We're going to dirty you up, make you smell like make you smell like an outdoorsman, right? And you're going to trick your dad so that you get the blessing, which is just, it's crazy. Like, this is a, a strange family dynamic that's going on here. Maybe what Rebecca should have done is gone to her husband and said, hey, you remember what God said, right? You remember what God said. You have to bless, you need to bless Jacob. Doesn't mean you can't bless Esau, because he is going to bless both of them. But one of them had to trick his dad in order to get that blessing. But Isaac still blessed them. This is what's so insane about this. And this is what's been like just messing with my brain all day long. Is like, he's like, he's applauded for his, like, he blessed both his kids. And I'm like, but wait, but wait. One kid had to trick his dad to get that blessing. But he still did it. He still did it. He blessed both of them. And so really what happens here with Isaac that he, it is by faith, he, he received from his dad, Abraham, this promise from God, this spoken word from God, and then he received that, and then he was going to share that with his sons, and that's what he does. That's how he blesses them. At the end of his, of his life, so to speak, he would live for a little bit longer, but at the end of his days, he was going to bless both of his sons. He was going to share with them this is God's plan. This is God's plan. And for, for Jacob, it was going to be this. And for Esau, it was going to be that. Both would become great nations, right, so to speak. Great as in, you know, just numbers and all that. Esau would end up being a problem child for his mom and his dad because he marries two ladies that are Gentile ladies, and they drive mama nuts, okay? Just read Genesis. It tells you all about it. And then Esau also wants to murder his brother for stealing his blessing. Good family. Just great family, right? Like, I mean, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> it's like, you're like, well, it sounds like my family reunion I just went to. These are just 
people. They're just normal people. That's, that's who we're dealing with here. But the thing is, Isaac received that promise, and then he communicated that promise to his sons. He received it, and then he distributed it. It was through faith. He still knew, like, fellas, boys, this is what God has said, and I'm passing that on to you. And he passes the baton, so to speak, onto Jacob, okay? So it was through faith that he did that. He believed that, and he shared what he believed. This is true. Let me share it with you guys. So now the scene shifts over to Jacob. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, he literally is dying, okay? This is, these are his last days. He blessed each of Joseph's sons. Remember, Joseph had his two boys represented there. All the sons were gathered back around, around uh, Jacob. Now, Jacob is, you read his story. I like reading the story of Jacob. I appreciate the story of Jacob, but he, there's not a lot of good stuff in Jacob's story. There's just not. There, there really is not. I mean, it starts off as kind of a deceiver. You maybe got that from mama. I don't know, because she like conjured up this plan to trick her husband into, and all that. And then he works for his uncle, who's, you know, used car, some, no offense, used car salesman, none at all. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like he was like, he worked his nephew. Like he got one over on his nephew, right? He, he paid for all the extras, you know, when it came to it. He's like, seven years for my daughter. Oh, whoops, by the way, not that daughter. I meant that daughter. So now you got to work for another seven years for the one daughter that you actually wanted, okay? Because nobody wanted this first one, so I tricked you into getting her, right? That's his, that's his uncle. That's Laban. But then Jacob tricks his uncle, and then it's just ongoing. And then Jacob wrestles with God. Amazing story. And then God's like, all right. Enough, that's enough. And he touches his hip and it becomes disjointed. And forever, for the rest of his life, which is why he's leaning on a cane, he bears that mark of wrestling with God. But that's what God had to do to get a hold of Jacob's, get a hold of Jacob. Like he even showed him miraculous things, the stairway, you know, and all that. And here's Jacob who is bent and kind of broken, leaning on the staff about to die. He's got all his sons, and he's pronouncing blessings upon all his sons, all 12 of his sons. Beautiful story there at the end of Genesis. And he gets to Joseph, and he pronounces a blessing on. He basically adopts Joseph's two sons, is what happens there. He takes them as his own sons. He adopts these guys, and he pronounces blessings upon them, Ephraim and Manasseh, okay? And, and it was, that was an act of faith. That was Jacob taking what he received from his dad, Isaac, who received that promise from his dad, Abraham, and they just shared it to the next generation, to the next generation. Somebody has to take the baton and run the race. Hey, newsflash, death is a reality for all of us. It's a reality for all of us. When it comes, nobody knows. Here's the thing. For Isaac... The finish of his race, he passed the baton on to his sons. Jacob, the end of his race, he passed the baton on to his two adopted sons. They weren't his, right? They were his grandkids, but he adopted them as his own kids. He passed the baton on to them. Joseph himself will pass, so, so to speak, will pass the baton in a whole different way. But Isaac and Jacob at the end of their lives were like, you need to know what God has said. Hopeless, hopeless
When you think about the heroes of faith, who pops into your mind? Abraham, surely, and that's probably quickly followed by Isaac and Jacob, just out of habit. Then we have Joseph and Moses and David. In this series, Pastor James Grizzle is telling the stories of the heroes of the faith, and you'll find all the regulars. But then there also is going to be one or two that you might not instantly think of. How often did you think of a prostitute when you were listing your heroes? The writer of Hebrews did. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken in a series that you just won't want to miss. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. For those of you that are in the area, we would love to see your face this Sunday. We meet every Sunday at 10 in the morning and every Thursday at 7 in the evening. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that and a laid-back atmosphere, you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, look around a little. You'll find our location, a bunch of archived messages, and a place to give to the ministry. We'd love to have you partner with us as we magnify the Lord Jesus together. For those of you that can't make it in person, don't worry. We live stream all of our services just for you. So find us on Facebook today. And with that, we've come to the end of our time together today. We're so glad that you decided to spend your day with us. See you next time, right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man. I love that and give it